Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today we have a special guest, author, entrepreneur, life coach, Shamisha Brown with us. I'm Lady Bounce. I'm Kryptonite. All right, so you want to start us off with our mindfulness minute? I sure shall. Okay. Start off. Okay. Ends and beginnings. I realize that however good my analytic skills, I will have to live into an uncertain future. I do not put my trust in the prevailing power structures, but I take refuge within the calm center of my being. It can be so easy to get discouraged with all of the bad news out there. Ooh, jeez. Ooh. Sometimes it feels as though the world is falling apart, but it must have felt that way to the ancient Romans as well and the Greeks before that. And the my uh the Mycenaeans. Woo. Right. That's a word. Okay, the Mycenaeans <laughs> before that. But I will say that for all those people that they talking about, where they talking about it must have felt that way for them. Are they here now? It went down. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Civilizations rise and fall. They are just as impertinent as anything else in existence. Why should our time be any different? Right. The corruption that we see, the the degradation of the environment, Mm -hmm. the warped priorities are all signs of decline. But every end contains a beginning, a chance to start over. The future, by definition, is uncertain. You may catch yourself today trying to guess what will happen in politics or in technology. This one is speaking to me today, I'm telling you. Let go of this future watching for the time being. Concentrate on the here and now, on this inner space that arises before the mind. Take shelter here knowing that whatever happens, you will still be able to retreat within and concentrate on the breath. I like it. Yeah, you kind of got to, you know, it was cool. It the, That last part kind of, <laughs> you know, concentrate on the breath. That I don't, I've never heard that one before. So you're on your no, breathing. I get, I get right. it. No, I get it. And I, I get that they're saying be in the here and the now. Mm-hmm. That was just a different way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't heard that before. But all right. <laughs> all right. So, Ms. Shamisha, would you like to tell us a little bit about your book first? I'm excited about your book, though. Can I just... I like books. Thank you. I want to read a book. I want to read a book. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, Yeah, I can tell a little bit about my book. I am writing a book with eight other females. And it's a book about life lessons and healing trauma. Mm. Yeah, I'm personally writing about um, generalization, sexual... General... Generational? Yeah, generational sexual abuse. Because mm. yeah, I was sexually abused, and so was my mother and my grandmother. Wow. And now I have a daughter, so I'm breaking that curse, that cycle. Right. So how did you, um, how did the idea come up for you and the other ladies to get together to collaborate on this project? Well, we're um, doing this book with our publisher, um, Warrior Storytelling, and she basically created this group for us okay where's she located she located here or is this like she's in colorado wow yeah oh so like through her she just kind of knew you all or did you all reach out to her like how did that happen 
Yeah, she has like a um, a group on Facebook and she has like a big following and she just posted that she's doing this project. She does it every few years. Oh, she do okay. She co-author books and, you know. Wow. She kind of just pieced us all together in our group. She did like, um, she made a post wanting to know who was like interested and, mm-hmm. you know, a few people reached out and she just kind of put us all together. We so, might need to be in the book. Who? I, me and you. I got what? something to say. Not that book. Maybe a different book. About life lessons and stuff. Oh, you just stuff. saying t- we, we should write a book. I'm going to stop we, talking. Look. We should, <laughs> I like I'm books. I'm traumatized enough. Don't be. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> no, you are right. So, the other ladies that are uh, you're in collaboration with, have you? do you all, like, speak regularly? Do y'all share notes? Do y'all correspond with each other at all yeah we um actually have like monthly meetups where we all video chat in and we oh, go cool. over like homework assignments or just wow this is exciting yeah it's a pretty net group and we all have like our own personal group together where we all share so and you kind of like developed a sisterhood through this process with these women yeah okay. definitely that's cool i like it yeah, I do too. I'm all about reaching across the board with things. I like that, you know, being able. I think the internet and it's, you know, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I'm just saying that <laughs> what I do like about the use of the internet is that how it enables people from different backgrounds, different demographics, different places to just be able to come to one spot and to be able to just connect with each other because. Mm-hmm. I think it's dope that if I develop a friendship with somebody in Paris, I got a couch to sleep on if I decide to go one day. Because all I can afford is the plane ticket. Yeah. I can't afford the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I need a ride and everything. Y'all picking me up? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just thinking about that. Like, yeah, it would be dope. It would be dope. Tell me. Like, it's dope. Can I just come over? So that's amazing. So growing up as a survivor of sexual abuse, did you know that your mother and your grandmother were both victims? No, I I never knew. Wow. Like even after I came out about being abused, it was still like, I really never knew. I still like to this day, I don't fully know my mother's story. Hmm. It's so hard for her to talk about it. Right. But you know, I know it happened. So let me, with this being a generational situation and um you all you ladies being in the same family was it the same perpetrator no it was all different perpetrators mm. now as your your daughter is young mm-hmm. so as she grows what are some things that that you're thinking about you know to tell her either about your story or about her being strong enough to protect herself mm-hmm. you know in some ways is that something that you fear for your daughter? Um, at first, I, like when I when I first had my daughter, I was just like, I can't let anybody watch her. I gotta have mm-hmm. my eyes on her at all times. She can never be out my sight. But I, there's little things that you can incorporate into her upbringing that will like that will help protect her. Like in my mm-hmm. opinion, like a kid knows where their butt is kid knows where their belly is you can teach them where their private is mm. and you could tell them this is a no-no spot or your private area right nobody should touch this i like that like um 
safe touches. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I had to go to a training about that, about um, safe touches, good and bad touches, because I am a teacher. So as an educator, that's something that, that they're really big on, especially when um, working with younger children, because they are they don't have that filter. They're very loving and they're very affectionate. And so sometimes they don't know that, you know, you can't hug everybody or you can't, you know, give everybody a kiss on the cheek. So definitely. um you know good trainings that i've been to about that good and bad touches and safe spots and stuff like that because as a mother i definitely made sure that i talked to my daughter about that stuff and some of it you know she shares with her her friends and they listen but you know kids are hard-headed teenagers are some of it i think is getting in and getting through but definitely you know telling her different things so that she can be mindful of you know everybody's not your friend and everybody's not worthy of a hug and you know stuff like that that's good though and uh, yeah that's one thing that i also tell her like the power of no like Mm -hmm. you don't like if you tell you don't if your kid doesn't want to give their grandmother a hug don't don't make them yes or their grandpa a hug don't make them if they don't want to sit on their lap that they have the right to say i don't want to sit on your lap or i don't want to give you a kiss they can say that i like that i'm glad you brought that up because i was just going to ask you um with usually in situations i'm and it's my assumption so let me ask when you went through your abuse you said it was child abuse so you were very young i take it at that time mm-hmm. so was this um a situation with like with a family member or a family friend because oftentimes we do tell our children like what you're saying about touches and not wanting to you know hug and kiss anybody but when it's uncle such and such or you know what i'm saying auntie so-and-so that's uncle, that's auntie. And yeah, this this might be an issue, but they still uncle, auntie. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of people, I have found that a lot of people that have gone through sexual abuse, um, I guess you can say it's like a, it's like a different, different uh, setting. You know what I mean? Like, cause they're one way in front of everybody. So they still talk to the uncle. They still talk to the auntie. And, of course, you know, once they get along with this person, it goes down in a different way. So, yeah, I guess I'm just I'm just wondering, like, when you went through that, was it with a family member? And then, and then how did that really play out over the years? Um, I was sexually abused at 11. Ah. And my sexual abuse didn't stop until I was 13. And I had, I was pregnant. And then that was my way of telling my mom that I was sexually abused. So my uncle sexually abused me. He was, um, I lived with my grandparents growing up and he lived there. Mm -hmm. So after like shortly after my grandpa died, my grandmother died, I took over her room and I used to sleep in my, her room with her. And then after she died, I stayed in her room alone. And you know, he just seized the opportunity, I'm guess, I guess. And I was just there alone and he was in the house too so it was like and he lived in the household so right mm. yeah wow that's that's just really hard yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean to even t- to think about because i'm pretty sure at 11 you're like what is really happening here mm-hmm. so was your mother in the house at all my mom was my, I grew up with my grandparents. My mom wasn't really 
my mom was kind of in and out of my life growing up mm-hmm. her and my dad was it was just me my grandmother and my grandpa and my grandpa was the type of person that had a million kids at his house he loved all his grandkids they all can come over and stay as long as they want so I was always at my grandparents house did you attempt because in the setting like what you're describing I can and I'm only guessing but I can only imagine that it would be hard Mm -hmm. to find someone to tell you know what I mean yeah well, it's it's like, and I talk about it more in my book. It, it it wasn't just like I woke up one day and he sexually abused me. Right. He put out fillers, like he would touch me inappropriately, and mm. and then he would, and then he would stop, and then he would just be like, "Oh, you can't tell anyone. Make sure you never tell anyone, or I'm gonna get in trouble. You don't want me to get in trouble, do you?" Mm. And of course, me being like, "No, that's my uncle. I love right. him. I don't want him to get in trouble." Right. So. And did you at the time? Had you known what it was that was happening? Did you, or do you just know it didn't feel right? Um, no, I didn't have no idea what sex was. Nobody ever had the sex talk with me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I lost my virginity before I started my period. So I didn't even have like the menstruals talk or anything. I am quite surprised at how many parents in our generation mm-hmm. do not have that talk with their children. Mm-hmm. They don't talk. They really don't have to talk about sex. They don't have to talk about um, menstrual cycles. I found that to, I like. I'm bewildered by that. I really don't get how that. How that, that. I mean, not with us. Not with our generation. Right. My generation for sure. You know what I mean? Because that's not the first time I have heard that from someone. You know. So I just don't understand why well, parents sex don't have that conversation. Well, sex has always been. It's always been one of those. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. As opposed and to no question, right? Just right. don't ask, don't do it. And if you, I don't know, maybe you notice, know maybe you don't. But America is really the only place that that goes down. Every right. other country is like kind of they kind of have an open vocabulary when mm-hmm. it comes to sex. It's um, not taboo. It's just yeah, it's just something that happens in life. But it's really interesting how over through the course of history, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, American society really puts this kind of taboo like oh sex don't do it oh it's not you know they make it dirty they make it nasty mm-hmm. they it, but it's mm-hmm. it's a human function right you know what i mean yeah. not one that should be formed be performed on a child right. but not one that should be shunned away and locked in the behind the door until one day you're either forced it to open it or you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying or somebody lets you you know it's just that don't make sense yeah yeah, it does. It doesn't to me. And then I was thinking, as a a parent of of a current teenager and working with teenagers all day, because those kinds of conversations are not being had, they are overly obsessed with it. Like they run right. to it because nobody's giving them like good information. It's, yeah. And if all you get is "don't do it," what teenager sits and listens to that? Well, and I don't even know. For like when I'm, I'm thinking about the kids that I work with, their parents aren't even telling them don't do it. A lot of their parents are just either not around or they're so busy working or they're living their best life themselves that you think that sex is one of those things that it takes care of itself. Like, oh, they'll figure it I, out. Yeah, I really do think a lot of people really. But like they're not gonna figure way. it out. So let me ask you, your daughter's how old now? She's two. She's two. Okay. So, well, let me. Are you currently in a relationship? No, I'm not. Okay. So how do you approach that? Like, do you do you let that be known when you have decided to 
when you find a significant other? Is this something that you divulge like immediately? Do you wait? Because something like that is traumatizing. And um, I can only imagine that that would affect your intimacy level with the person. So is that like something that you let people know right off the rip so that they are aware of how they need to take care of you and approach you? Or is that something that you hold back on? You know, you don't tell everybody for whatever reason. Well, uh, if 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 I'm getting into a relationship or I'm starting to get to know someone and at any point they're getting ready to meet my daughter, I feel like they must know. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to be around my daughter and they're going to have whatever influence they have over her life. So at that point of introducing them they should already know my history and my past and what went on and i also set up healthy boundaries with my daughter you like anybody that i date know they will they don't take my daughter to the bathroom they don't change her diaper you come get me Mm-hmm. That's not something you need to do. So I make it known. So it, 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 it would never be a me catching them and them, I don't know. It's like I already told you. Right. Okay. And like speaking on sex, like I had a, a friend, her son is seven or eight, and she went through his tablet and found out he was watching porn. And she wow. was like, how did you even know what porn was? She was so, like, sad. Like, how do you know about this Listen, stuff? Listen, that's the thing. I when When my children were small... I had already made it a point that we was going to talk about it because kids talk about it. Just because we not talking about it, that don't Man. mean they not talking about it. Kids talk. Look, think about when you was in school. Didn't you talk about it? Mm-hmm. They talk about it at home with their friend uh, at school with their friends. Right. They, yes. They, they talk. Don't learn they about it regardless. Talk about it all the time. But it's natural though. Like it's not. This is the things that they do. What's the matter? Nothing. Oh, okay. I was thinking when you said it's natural, I'm like, yeah. is it? The, is no, it, really? it is. Listen, it <laughs> is. These are the things that they do. You're going to touch your body before you touch someone else's. Right. If you happen to come across something that feels pretty good, you might sit there, there a while. You you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's, it's, um, it's something that we should be telling our children to. It's, it's okay to explore your body and know what you like and know how you feel, but it's not okay for you to do this, that. You know what I'm saying? Right. If we exp- if we talk to them about it, what they're feeling, what they're doing, mm-hmm. then it's going to be easier for them to come and talk to you about it when yes. someone else is doing it to them. Mm-hmm. So I've always talked to When my kids hit elementary school, I'm not even going to lie. When they hit elementary school, I was talking to them about it mm-hmm. because I already knew kids kids gonna talk about it and especially inner city children right they're exposed to way too much for to try and show and i used to worry about that that i was exposing my children to too much but what i don't expose them to the world is going so i'd rather tell them something with an explanation versus them not know and get caught up in something Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna shut up now because that's just me i don't go off on tangent about some stuff So when you became pregnant at 13, how did your mom handle that? Um, well, let's see. Well, she kind of just like, you know, she just asked me like, are you having sex? And I'm, of course I'm like, no. And she's, you know, she just kept asking me and she was like, well, then I go into like, I go into the whole detail of me the whole conversation with my mom but I denied it and I just denied it and denied it and I like mm-hmm. no I'm not having sex until one day she was just like lift up your shirt 
did you know what was going on? Like, because you were 11, no one talked to you about what it was before it happened. So did you even know that that's what it was that you were doing? I had a clue, like, like I knew, I thought I knew what sex was. Like, I knew, you know what it is mm-hmm. until, like, you actually do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, I had an idea of what it was. But I, like, I didn't exactly know. All I knew was what he told me. I'm not supposed to tell anybody about it. I didn't know it was wrong, mm-hmm. what we were doing. I just knew it was a secret. Wow. Got you. So... And being on the other side of it now and being a victor as opposed to a victim and you are a survivor, can you tell us some ways that you are healing? Like, how are you healing with it? One of the ways that was very therapeutic to me was writing. I just wrote whatever came to mind. I just wrote about it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was going to turn into a book, but it did turn into a book. Um, Counseling. When I was younger, my mom asked me she she asked me like do you want to go to counseling and I told her no of course not I didn't, never wanted to talk about it ever again right but I felt like she should have just like kind of told me I was going instead of giving me the option right. to choose and so how long were you in therapy did you actually go get some on your own yeah I didn't start going to therapy until I was 19 okay and then I took a break from it but now I still go to therapy this day is I, I I don't even feel like Even if you have nothing going on I feel like therapy helps you Oh absolutely That's another reason why I want to get up on stage And go to comedy I got a captive audience I can tell people mm-hmm. my problems And get paid for it mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but That's just me talking um, Well, oh, So my question is After your mother found out um, Everything And who was involved Did anything happen to him? Um there was some court procedures. Uh, I was actually, I was actually um, molested by two of my uncles. Oh wow! So one of my uncles actually went to prison because the DNA test confirmed. But the other one, he's still out. He's still walking around saying he never did it. He and he will never do it. Mm. Wow. That's deep. It is. I to, I'm like really processing that. That's, that's deep. So do you still see this individual? I have. I have seen him as an adult. It would be plenty of times where I would go to family functions and he would be there. And I would have to tell my family, like, you can't invite both of us. You have to choose. Either mm-hmm. invite me or invite him. Right. You know, and once I made that clear, I stopped seeing them at the family events. But before then, I was every time they invited me out, he would be there. How did your family react to that? Like to the situation with both your uncles? Mm-hmm. How how did your family take that? And then once, how did they absorb that? Um, it was a lot of mixed emotions. Like the stuff that happens in social media really happens in your own family too. Yeah. With certain people saying he didn't do it. Certain people believe in that happens right at home. My mom was day one. She believed me. But um, it was it was tough. A few family members were kind of like, oh, that didn't happen. Or I don't think that happened. To this day, a few more like his family, like his sisters and his brothers and stuff like that. They're like, I don't believe it happened. But. So uh, let me ask you: Was this your? This was not your mother's brother. 
this was my my dad's brother. Okay. And um, <clears throat> were both of them your dad's brother? No, one was my dad's brother, and the other was um my aunt boyfriend, baby daddy, my aunt baby daddy. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, so he wasn't like really uncle. Not no. that that makes a difference. Yeah. I'm just saying he wasn't blood, but yeah. you know, my mom trusted me to be around him. Right. You know, right. I used to go over his house with my cousin. Mm. So the the person that is in jail, is he the one that's blood relative no. or no? He's not blood relative. Mm. And I suppose that really made a difference in a lot of people's eyes too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, he might have did it, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, which is, that's horrible. Yeah, that's deep. It, yeah, it is, because it's like, I don't understand how people can um, tell a 13-year-old she's lying about her situation. You know what I mean? Mm About her situation. Right. Like, why would anybody think that somebody would just make that up? And why would you think that? Yeah. Right. I wouldn't think that. I being being who I am and how I am, if my daughter brought me something like that, I would instantly go into like probably hyper vigilant mode. Like I'm somebody's about to die. Just I'm going to jail. I'm calling my family. Get the bail money ready. You know I'm just it's a wrap because that's my daughter. Like my my job, my goal, my duty is to protect her from things that happen to me, things that happen to people that I know. So I would probably I'd be on TV. You'd be like, "Dang, lady bounce in jail!" I'm like, I'm going to her bail party. So put, put some money on my books, cause I'm I'm going to jail. I just and even even my son. You know, we we don't you know talk too much about boys. But if something happens to my son, I'm gonna catch a case. It's it's just a wrap. Understood. Understood. All right, so let's move on to our self care assignment as right. we celebrated you being on, on the other side. So we're going to celebrate new beginnings. A new beginning is a wonderful gift. Unfortunately, that gift has to come out of a difficult period in our lives, such as divorce, losing a job, or abuse. Some people prefer to use that time for personal reflection and would like to move on by themselves. For others, those can be a system of people who care about them. If nothing else, send your friend some flowers to show that you are thinking about her that you care and that you are there to support her some people might be open to a party to celebrate a new beginning no matter how exactly you celebrate recognizing new beginnings can be a useful even fun way of closing the door on one chapter and getting ready to open another sounds good i like it so of course as always you know, there's brain science for everything. Mm-hmm. Brains, hit us with it. So I'm going to hit you with this brain science right here real quick. All right. So we know that trauma affects our bodies and our brains, emotional abuse, physical abuse, especially as you continue to relive those traumas in your brain. Um, I'm going to give you some ways to not keep reliving the trauma, which I'm sure you've learned in therapy and the therapeutic um, writings that you've done and the other women around you. So here's some tips for healing and recovering your brain from trauma. It is important for a person who is currently experiencing or who has ever experienced emotional abuse to know that the abuse is never your fault. In some cases, a partner may be using emotional or physical abuse to prevent the person from leaving or seeking help. 
So here are some recovery tips. Get adequate rest, eat a balanced diet, Become physically active, exercise, reaching out for help from family, friends, or a health professional, reaching out socially to others such as friends or coworkers, and volunteering. Emotional and physical abuse is never the fault of the person experiencing it. It can cause both long-term and short-term consequences for people subjected to it. Children who have been subjected to emotional abuse or sexual abuse may continue to feel its effects into adulthood, and these effects include extremely low self-esteem, seeking bad relationships, and other physical or mental effects. That is so true. So, seek counseling, heal, work on yourself, fly with us, which is to always first love yourself. We thank you for coming to join us today and telling your story i can't wait for the book so when your book launches you have to make sure you tag us in it on facebook so we can share it everywhere yes, thank you so thank you for coming and joining us today we really appreciate it getting out there getting your name out there getting our name out there talking about some really relevant relevant topics that really affect all of us so right and really helping people it. heal that's that's the biggest thing is if if your story helps just one woman that one woman is going to touch a million people. Yeah. So that in itself is amazing. All right. I'm Lady Bounce. I'm Kryptonite. And this is Shamisha Brown, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> we out of here. All right.